On the first day of the week, Mary of Magdala came to the tomb early in the morning, while it was still dark, and saw the stone removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and told them, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple went out and came to the tomb. They both ran, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter, and arrived at the tomb first. He bent down and saw the burial cloths there, but did not go in. When Simon Peter arrived after him, he went into the tomb and saw the burial cloths there, and the cloth that had covered his head, not with the burial cloths, but rolled up in a separate place. Then the other disciple also went in, the one who had arrived at the tomb first, and he saw and believed. For they did not yet understand the scripture, that he had to rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Put another cool on. Put another cool on. Another, another cool. Last night at the Easter Vigil, at the very beginning, while the church is still dark, save for the Easter candle and all the other lights, candles of the baptized are holding. The exalted is proclaimed, and it proclaims again and again, this holy night, this sacred night, and that is carried over to this day, this holy day, this most sacred day, this day on which the Lord broke the prison bars of death. Why is this day so important? Why does the church put such an emphasis? Why does it take pride of place? Why is it the most important day of the year for us as Christians? Why does it matter? Is it simply because this is the day on which many return to Mass? Is it simply because this is the day on which we get to celebrate with candy, Easter eggs, family celebrations? No. It is something much deeper, something more profound, and something so incredibly important for us. On this day, we are reminded why we are Christians. We are reminded why it matters that we are Christians, and also what it means for us, now, but also into eternity, for us to be Christians. And it's stated at the very end of this gospel, why that matters or perhaps why we still need to be reminded again and again, year after year, and why the church extends this Easter season for so long. And it is this. It is at the very end of this gospel. Then the other disciple also went in, the one who had arrived at the tomb first, and he saw and believed. For they did not yet understand the scripture, that he had to rise from the dead. Again and again throughout the scriptures, Christ tells his disciples what is going to happen. He tells them, The Son of Man must suffer greatly, be crucified and die, and on the third day be raised. He repeats it again and again and again. And yet, the apostles being the blockheads they can often be, they do not understand. But yet, we ourselves too can be those same blockheads. I can, you can, all of us can. Because if we truly believed in the resurrection, we would be different. If we truly believed in the resurrection, this would be our greatest sanctuary in our life. This would truly be where our heart resides. 
on this altar, at the foot of the tabernacle, day after day, even when we are not present, with a holy longing to be in the presence of the Christ, who suffered and died for us, but then also rose from the dead for our sakes. We who have been baptized into his death have also been baptized into his resurrection. Today, on this most holy day, this most sacred day, this most important day, we, after this homily, will renew our baptismal promises. The promises that were either made on our behalf as children, or perhaps we made them as adults. Promises to renounce Satan, to renounce sin, to renounce its empty show. Because sin gains us nothing. Sin causes nothing but misery and strife within our life. As we sang in our opening hymn today, the strife is over. The strife is over not because pain or suffering has disappeared from existence, but it has been transformed. Christ has transformed it. Because just as we pray in the funeral liturgy for that for, our faith, for your faithful Lord, life is changed, not ended. It is too true that also for us, life is now transformed. By Christ's death and resurrection, he has allowed us to experience a foretaste of that joy here at every single Mass. At every single Mass, we get to participate in his crucifixion. We get to brag for his graces from the foot of the cross, to allow his most precious blood to wash over us, to wash away our sins. But then we also get a foretaste of the heavenly liturgy, a foretaste of what is to come for each and every one of us a foretaste of the blessing that Christ desires for us, the goodness of the Lord. The goodness that the Lord desires to bestow upon us, his children. And so we get a small foretaste. We are brought up into the heavenly song, which is proclaimed in the Gloria, the Sanctus, and the Lamb of God. All of which are a small foretaste of what is to come in eternity. We get to worship God. We all get to turn together toward him. We get to approach the risen Christ. That is the importance of this day. Praying to these, we face the rising sun, not a physical body in the sky, but instead the glorified Christ comes out to greet us, who comes out to meet us, his beloved, you, his beloved, me, his beloved. That is what he desires for you. That is why this church should be our resting place always. It is why it should be at the center of our lives every single Sunday. It is why it matters. Because Christ has broken the prison bars of death. Each and every one of us experienced that fear. The fear of what it means to die. Whether through the death of a loved one, or perhaps some moment that makes us realize that death is a real possibility. And as that approaches, that is terrifying. But again, as the church's funeral liturgy proclaims, for your faithful Lord, life is changed, not ended. Because Christ is risen from the dead, because he died for your sins, and then on the third day was raised, we now have hope. We now have a reason to love. We now have a reason to have faith. Because his resurrection is proof 
that God is more powerful than death, that God is more powerful than the most painful effect of our sin, which was death, incurred by Adam and Eve. And even as we proclaimed last night at the Easter Vigil, O happy fault, which gained for us so great a Redeemer, O happy fault, that death has brought into the world the opportunity for God to unite himself with us more fully, so that you might be brought to heaven, so that you might no longer have to suffer without reason, so that no longer does death reign, but instead death has lost its sting, as the Apostle tells us. We now have a reason to hope. For us who have been baptized into his death and baptized into his resurrection and throw ourselves upon his mercy again and again in the confessional, who again and again worthily receive him in Holy Communion, again and again get up when we fail, when we fall, trusting that he does indeed desire for our greatest good. He does want you in heaven. He does want you to worship him throughout all of eternity. We have hope. We have a reason to hope. Not because of any merit of our own, but because God loved you first. And in return, all he wants is your love. In return, all that he wants is your heart. As I often tell people, I don't want butts in the pews. I want hearts on the altar. I want a people given over to the Lord. That is my greatest desire as pastor. That is our Lord's greatest desire for you. Because this is on the altar that we experience both our Lord's crucifixion, but then also his life, also his resurrection, that he wants to give to each and every one of you. We get to reign for all of eternity with him. If we but follow his commandments, if we would take the sweet yoke of the cross upon ourselves, if we but live with him, trust in his mercy day after day, not despairing when we fall short, not despairing when we sin, not despairing whenever it seems all is lost in the world. But instead, we forever trust in his goodness. Instead, we trust in his Son, in his saving blood. But then we also trust in his most precious glorious and amazing resurrection, which has given us a pledge of eternal life, that death is not the end, that the sting of death has disappeared, and then instead, by Christ's resurrection, he has promised us an eternal life with him, where we will reign with him as co-redeemers for all of eternity.